When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Dilly Ding Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City uh, podcast, and uh, I'm Rob Tanner, and I'm joined by Jordan Blackwell, and we'll be uh, previewing this weekend's trip to Goodison Park for the uh, the clash with Everton. We'll start really with the midweek win uh, over Sunderland because uh, it was the fifth consecutive league win, sixth consecutive victory since Craig Shakespeare took uh, charge of Leicester City, and it's been absolutely perfect. He couldn't have possibly dreamed for this, Jordan, could he? No, no, I don't think he would, he would have expected that at all. I think Leicester have had good fixtures. They've all been winnable fixtures that, that Shakespeare has had, but to, to win every single one of them um, is very surprising. Um, and I think he's, he's done a really good job. And I think, uh, he's, I know he's, he's said he's the lucky one, particularly sort of thinking of that the win at West Ham when Schmeichel made those saves. Um, but uh, he's shown he's, he's more than capable at, at management and his substitutions changed the game on uh, Tuesday night. It was a difficult game, I thought. To be, I mean, I know they they probably didn't have a, as much quality, and there's a reason why they're bottom of the table, Sunderland. But they certainly had a lot of fight, a lot of heart, and they made it difficult for about an hour, didn't they, for City? Yeah, they didn't. They didn't look too uh, tested at the back. Leicester struggled to create chances, um, and Sunderland didn't really create too many of the, their own. But that that's why they're at the, the bottom of the table. They do re- rely um, a lot on Jermaine Defoe to create something for himself, and he, he struggled to do that a little bit. Um, but yeah, they they defended and kept Leicester out, and there was a few pot shots from Gray, uh, um, but nothing other than that until the substitutions. Um, and I think that's where Sunderland were lacking, and Leicester didn't. Shakespeare made the the proactive substitutions. He wanted to win the game, um, and the substitutions worked perfectly. All Brighton was a, a different form of um, a, a different form of approach uh, to Sunderland um, to Sunderland's back four. Uh, Slimani's a different type of striker to Okazaki, uh, and it worked, and they're the sorts of things that you need to do, and, and Shakespeare's proven he's more than capable of making those big decisions. They were the perfect combination to bring on, weren't they, Albrighton and Slimani, uh, the big target man striker and the white man. I mean, that's one thing about Albrighton. He's a very different sort of player to Gray. Gray's got great pace, great skill, trickery. Michael Brighton's more your traditional get to the byline, get a ball in early, and I think centre-forwards thrive on that, and... Uh, certainly Slomani did didn't he, with his uh, with his goal then and then obviously teed up Vardy for a clinical finish that was a quality finish he really looks like he's on song again now Vardy yeah Vardy brilliant finish you know it was sort of um, the Vardy of old in that it was it was an instinctive goal it was one touch and hit it it doesn't not too much thinking about it uh, which is where when Vardy's at his best uh, but yeah all Brighton it, it made sense bringing all Brighton and Slomani on together um, I think Slomani's shown that his biggest attribute is is finding space to win headers in the box. Um, uh, he, he did that at, at Sporting Lisbon, and we've seen uh, we've seen him do that plenty of times at Leicester already. Um, so they really are the the perfect combination, and it's it's really good for City that they have a different mode of attack and that they can make two substitutions, and it completely changes the way they play, and it can confuse uh, opposition defences. Now, obviously, that's uh, put them onto 36 points, shot them up initially to 10th, now they've dropped down to 11th after last night's games. Would you say Leicester City is safe? 
Not on 36 points, no. I, I think they'll, they'll get the points that they need to be safe. Um, I think they probably only need two or three more over the, over the course of um, the next eight league games. But with the Sunderland and Millsborough being cut adrift, you would say they're the sort of certainty to be relegated now. But Swansea, Hull, um, Crystal Palace, all playing pretty well, all picking up points probably more regularly than you would expect of, of, of uh, relegation candidates. So maybe there's a there's potential that this year it could be the, the total for the 18th place could be 40 points or more. Mm. Um, in which case Leicester will, will still have to get maybe a couple of wins. But I think usually I think 39 points is enough. Um, I think there's only been maybe four seasons of the last 20 when th that, ha that hasn't been enough. So... One more win or a few draws uh, should be fine for Leicester. And they, they have the fixtures um, with Palace away coming up. They've got Watford at home and Bournemouth at home towards the end of the season. You would say that they have enough good fixtures um, to get the points they need. Well, it's going to get certainly going to get tougher for City in the next uh, few uh, weeks. And starting with a trip to Goodison. And I know City won there in the FA Cup earlier in the season. And they've got a pretty decent record in recent years there. But they've got a great home record, haven't they, this season, the Toffees? Yeah, they've been they've been excellent at home, particularly recently. Um, we saw that the four 0 win over Manchester City probably stands out, um, and they've, they've not actually uh, the last team to win there was City uh, in the FA Cup back in January. Um, but yeah, they've been they've been really been really solid. I think that's they're in that position where we'd we'd always always expect Everton to be just sort of outside the top six, but they've struggled to to really get there over the past few seasons. But under Koeman, they, they look really good um, up front. In Lukaku, they've got one of the best strikers in the league, I think, um, and they've got enough creativity behind him to to, to provide him with chances. Um, at the back, I think they've they still have a few problems. That was always the problems under Roberto Martinez. Um, they certainly do now, though, don't they? And they certainly do now. Yes. Yeah. So, and that's that's a, an even bigger problem. Obviously, Ashley Williams now suspended after his red card against Manchester United. Uh, Seamus Coleman and Ramiro Funes Mori both injured until at least the end of the season so that's at least three of their first choice back four um, not available uh, for Sunday which is a big boost for City and that could be um, there could be some goals in the game Now how do you think City should approach this game because obviously they're in the midst of a, a really tough sequence of games and it's six in 18 day, days this will be the third tie and then they've got um, the Atletico Madrid game Coming up as well next Wednesday, um, we'll get onto you know the the where's and where falls of, of how we're, they're doing those those fixtures and how they've arranged them with Champions League in mind. Um, but how, how do you think City should they rest players? Should should Craig Shakespeare change a winning formula? It is really difficult um, to, to make that decision. I, I'd be tempted to say that, that they should give a couple a rest. Um, I think it w wouldn't be too bad to maybe rest Mares and maybe play Albrighton and Gray on the wings. Um, I think by the time it comes to Atletico, I think it will be Mares and Albrighton on the wings. Um, there's potential maybe to also rest Okazaki and maybe play Slimani. Um, but I don't think they should rest too many players. I don't think, and I don't think there will be wholesale changes. And I don't think there should be uh, because Leicester aren't safe. This isn't a, this isn't a nothing game. Uh, and also, you don't want to, you know, Leicester have built up a bit of momentum, and that is that's helping them going forward. Um, so they don't want to to lose that by, you know, going to Goodison Park and losing three or four nil because they've made, you know, ten or eleven changes. Um, 
but I think there's, there's certainly scope within the attacking positions to, to maybe change it around a little bit. I think the defence, we defenders don't really need as many breaks as maybe attackers do. Um, so I think the defence will remain the same. Um, midfield, I think Drinkwater and Ndidi will probably remain as well. Uh, but on the wings and up front, I think we might see one or two changes. I think Shakespeare will certainly not make the mistakes that City made early in the season when they made a lot of changes in the way games before Champions League ties and they really did take some beatings, didn't they? Uh, Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea. I mean, they were tough games anyway, but they made wholesale changes with the Champions League in mind and uh, they lost momentum in the, in the league and that's the reason they've been in this position. Uh, this season where they've had to produce this run of form to drag themselves away because God knows what, where they'd be now if they hadn't have uh, managed to produce this run of form under Shakespeare. They really would be in the mire. So I don't think they're going to make the, those same mistakes. I agree with you. I, I, the only other one they might look at is drink water because of this hip flexor problem that's forced him out of the, the England squad, well, the last few England squads. And uh, I, I know they're nursing him through. And he did look a bit laboured, didn't he, in the first half against Sunderland? Possibly that's some, somewhere. I mean, we're doing this podcast ahead of uh, the press conference, so we will get the team news tomorrow. We're not expecting Wes Morgan to be fit. He's had a, a, a nerve problem in his back. But one of the positives of the last few, and there's been plenty of positives of the last few games, has been Johan Benalouan's performances. And he's really sort of grown in confidence, hasn't he? Yes, he's been really, really solid. I think the most impressive thing um, is how comfortably he's sat alongside Robert Huth. I think one of the big things with centre-back partnerships is how the two players work together. Um, we've, I mean, we've seen over the past two years how much uh, Wes Morgan is better when he's playing alongside Robert Huth. Um, but Johan Benelouan slotted in there, played with a, a player he's n not necessarily played with before, but he's played really well. He's done the things that Wes Morgan does, got the blocks in, got the headed clearances, all that, all that type of thing. But he's looked pretty decent on the ball as well. And he, I know he's shown a, a few fancy touches. Mm -hmm. There was that, that flick at, uh, against Stoke, uh, back to Robert Huth. Um, and he's, he's, but in general, in possession, he's looked pretty decent, just playing it wide to the full backs or into midfield to drink water. Um, and he's been really solid. I, I, and He's not made any mistakes. There's, there aren't really any negatives to his performances. He's been a, a solid 7 or 8 out of 10. Um, for every game he's played and um, you know I'm, I'm really pleased for him I think the fans are pleased for him as well I think so I think he's becoming a bit of a cult hero and I think it's because of his incredible story I mean let's let, remind uh, City fans the guy's been here over 18 months and he had to wait that long to make his uh, his first team Premier League full Premier League debut and you know he looked several times to be going out of the club he was captain of the under 21s he wasn't included in the Premier League squad at the start of the season he spent the uh, second half of last season on loan at Fiorentina didn't didn't kick a ball for him because of a back injury. So, uh, you know, he's really has come to the fore and it's been a real, real positive. So we, we expect he will carry on with, with Hoof. But uh, let's talk about the, the timing of this game. Four o'clock on a Sunday, ahead of a Champions League week. Now, we know that uh, the Premier League is run by television and the money that comes into the, the league. Uh, but they have a different attitude, don't they, on the continent when you look at uh, the other seven clubs that are in the quarterfinals of the Champions League? Yes, yeah, so all the other seven are, are playing on Saturday. Um, obviously, some of them have, have still only got uh, two days break, like City have, because they're playing on Tuesday night instead. But, um, but Leicester's is the only game where the opposition have a, a day advantage. Um, with Atletico, I mean, they are playing Real Madrid, so it's a, it is a difficult opposition, but they're playing Saturday, I think it's quarter past three kickoff. Um, so they have, you know, over 24 hours extra to prepare and they don't have to travel mm. um, like City do. Um, so, I mean, they're already huge favourites and certainly these sorts of factors, um, 
sort of fall in in Atletico's favour as well. Um, you could say it's a little bit disappointing that the Premier League wouldn't think about rearranging to try and help uh, uh, English teams in Europe, but I think this is all. This is the way it's always been. I don't think uh, any teams have been particularly favoured in Europe over over recent seasons. And you could always look at the, the fixture list towards the end of last season when Leicester were always playing before Spurs in, in the run-in and Leicester always got the, the benefit there because mm. they were always playing before Spurs and the pressure was always on Spurs to try and keep up, mm. uh, which I think uh, favoured Leicester. So I, I think it's one of these swings and roundabouts thing. I, I think it's a little bit annoying, but... Um, I'm sure Shakespeare won't be, won't be thinking about it too much and we'll just, we'll just get on with the job. Well, exactly. He's got to focus on the job in hand. I mean, I do wonder why they chose for a four o'clock Sunday game, Everton versus Leicester. I mean, neither of them can do much more in the league this season. I mean, uh, perhaps they thought that City were going to be really in the relegation mile and that, that would be uh, an amazing story to cover You know, the demise of the reigning champions. But it's not helped done them any favour in the Champions League. And talking to um, English uh, journalists who were based in, in Spain when we were out with Seville, they were saying that La Liga and Serie A uh, certainly do sort of look at their fixtures and try and help them, their clubs when it comes to European football with the fixturing and it certainly doesn't seem to be the case in England but what are you going to do if you take the money you've got to take the consequences haven't you really and I, I suppose that's the situation Leicester find themselves in but uh, it's going to be an interesting few days isn't it Geordie we're looking forward to it Everton away you're coming with me to Goodison mm-hmm. uh, just make sure you don't eat a big meal before <laughs> you get there the, the press bench is a bit tight at Goodison Park and then uh, we're off to Madrid next week so we're, we'll check back in uh, when we get to Madrid next week for the next uh, edition of Dilly Ding Dilly Dong and we'll be in sunny Spain by then so join us then <laughs>